Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Over the past few weeks, we've been covering fintech in particular as part of the overall prop tech scene. So this week, I plan to wrap up the fintech theme based on what came out of my discussions with Ray from Unmortgage, Ishan from Trussell and Ian from Lendinvest. However, I shall also add in some extras from my own research at the same time. So let's pull together the key themes and trends within fintech as it relates to prop tech now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Well, fintech as a segment or sub-segment rather of prop tech equally has a number of sub-segments itself. So it's quite a complex subject this, as I'm sure you've picked up already if you weren't, uh, weren't aware. And, uh, and here they are, as I see them at least, and how they relate to us as property investors. So the first big theme is, is mortgages and lending, obviously. And all of my uh, three recent guests um, had a stake or interest in this segment, although perhaps coming from slightly different angles. First, Ray from Unmortgage, who is looking at developing a hybrid between renting and buying a property. Then Ishan from Trussell, who are leading the digitization of the mortgage application market. And Ian from Lend Invest, who have developed an online platform using multiple funding sources behind it. And all three uh, have technology at the heart of what they do and seek to innovate or make progress to do familiar things in property financing in, in more efficient, productive or innovative ways. Of course, prior to the 1990s, it, 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 when it came to acquiring an investment property, we probably had a choice of using cash, so we'd have to be wealthy, or persuading a commercial bank to give us a loan or a facility, probably again using a high cash deposit. And of course, that's if we could persuade them to part with the money as well. Of course, buy-to-let mortgages arrived in the 1990s in earnest, uh, followed by bridging finance, perhaps in the last uh, 10 to 15 years or so. Uh, non, you know, particularly used technology in the way that they were offered or, or taken up uh, by us as investors and borrowers. But now that we, we have buy-to-let and commercial mortgages from lenders and brokers that offer us the opportunity to apply online, and we've seen peer-to-peer and crowdfunding platforms spring up with companies such as LandBay, LendInvest, Property Circle, Property Partner, The House Crowd, and Property Moose is just some of the new kids on the block. Now, beyond more mainstream lending, we can even obtain property financing through bonds, equity raises, and even JV or joint venture partnerships through various niche online platforms, which are starting to mushroom up, such as, the, uh, as, such as from Property Crowd and also some matching of JV partners, which is at least initiated online for example, with some of the larger property networks. 
And whilst most finance providers often need to be high net worth or sophisticated investors, the investors themselves or developers who are using such financial services don't necessarily need to be. So do expect more of these services to be fully delivered using online and mobile apps going forward as well. And the second big area is um, that I wanted to cover today was uh, payments and currency. So collecting payments for services provided and income, such as rental income, short-term stays, or smaller ad hoc services, for example, can now be done easily online and on mobile. Internet banking has obviously helped a great deal, but so too have technologies like PayPal as a more established player, but also relative newcomers such as Stripe with its internet payment collection, Go Cardless with its Everyman direct debit collection service, and iZettle, uh, recently acquired for $2.2 billion by PayPal with its low-cost contactless payment collection terminal all of which are making collection or sorry collecting smaller payments simpler and more cost effective using technology then we have mobile wallets and payment apps which are not quite as popular in the UK as they are in other parts of the world but make no mistake apple pay samsung pay and android pay are all helping to turn your smartphone into a payment card Prepayment credit cards are also emerging as a safer way to protect us for uh, online payments. I myself have used Cash Plus in the past with a prepayment um, credit card. But there are plenty of others and equally, companies like Revolut also offer a prepayment you know, card facility, both as a physical card but also as a virtual card as well. And mobile payments are growing an emerging sector, and so watch this space is what I want to suggest. Then, of course, there is the currency transfer services, which have always been time-consuming and hellishly expensive, what they are really. Thank goodness for TransferWise, which has helped me to make and receive international uh, property foreign currency transfers and payments. And then Revolut for an omni-currency prepaid credit card, for international travel. And whilst we have not really touched on it just yet, we've, we, also, we also have cryptocurrency trading platforms and wallets as well, uh, which may well revolutionize both international transfers and also domestic micropayments uh, in particular over the next decade, I would imagine. The third major area is, uh, is banking. So high street branches are closing all around us and are being replaced with internet banking from both familiar and less familiar names. Banking is increasingly available on your desktop, your, your tablet, and also your mobile phone now, which does make life, life, make, uh, sorry, does make life much easier. And there are also some newer players coming through who have different service propositions that lend themselves to technology. For example, I recently used Tide for my banking needs when uh, forming a special purpose company for a recent property purchase. I needed a bank account and did it fully online using Tide. And both Monzo and Starling are banks that are specifically built for your mobile phone. So they're very easy and uh, intuitive to use. And then there are some banks that specialize in online banking, but without branches, without signatures, and in some cases without credit checks as well, such as the Acorn account. 
The fourth area is insurance. And we've not really spoken much about or heard much about insurance and innovation within the insurance sector during this series so far. And uh, you may well have used an insurance market consolidation site, such as Money Supermarket or Go Compare, for example. And these essentially use data and screen scrape robots to search the databases of multiple insurance companies and brokers to arrive at the most competitive quotes. And they work okay, but they don't tend to cater for the more sophisticated needs of property investors at times, such as those who've got HMOs or short-term or holiday lets, or just being landlords looking for more than just a cheap insurance product overall. Now, Ray from Unmortgage did mention Lemonade, if you remember, and they're a USA-based insurer that are adopting behavioral economics to the sector by basing premiums on rewards rather than punishments. So, for example, they share in the savings where there's no claims with the customers. And then there is SafeShare, which is founded fairly recently, just in 2015, sorry, 2015, <laughs> that has developed uh, an insurance product for people renting out space in their homes to people to use as offices. And it's built on blockchain technology and it uses Lloyd's underwriters to, in, to underwrite, sorry, Lloyd's insurers to underwrite the policies. But that sounds like a whole podcast episode all on its own. So we'll leave that one for one of our blockchain themed uh, episodes, I think. The fifth and uh, final area uh, actually, not the final area, sorry. The fifth area I wanted to cover off um, was wealth management, investments, and advice. And this is another subject that we did not touch on too much over the past couple of weeks, but is attracting attention, especially to people looking to save, such as for a property uh, deposit, or to diversify their investments across different asset classes and geographies. So for example, you can easily now set up an ISA or a SIP in just minutes using platforms such as Hargreaves, Lansdowne, amongst others. Another trend is the emergence of the so-called robo-advisor, which uses uh, a digital platform. Nutmeg is one of the most established, but you can find an increasing number of alternative platforms and apps emerging too. For example, I've just invested in three startups in this space myself. One is MarketsFlow, which uses machine learning to manage the asset allocation and portfolio. Another is Oval Money, which helps to keep on top of your saving and spending habits. And then there's Wombat Invest, which provides smaller investors the opportunity to invest in a much larger diversified portfolio, as if you're a wealthy or a, 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 you know a, a, had a large portfolio or fund, fund under management. And finally, and, and especially if you uh, qualify as a high net worth or a sophisticated investor, is the potential to access the startup and venture capital community as well. Sites such as Kickstarter, Crowdcube and Cedars all allow founders of startups and potential investors to meet, pitch and invest using a fully online portal. And there are angel investment sites springing up as well along with the opportunity to co-fund with some of the VCs themselves through uh, sites such as Pi Labs, for example. So they were the key themes that I, I've kind of picked up, the key sub-segments within the fintech sector. But here are some of the key issues and themes that I observed, um, both in my own research and certainly in discussion with, uh, with the guests over the last couple of weeks. The first point is that 
Digital is opening up greater possibilities within fintech. There's the rise of the internet over the past 18 years, of course, and then the mobile internet in particular over the last five years in particular. Uh, it's allowing more financial service uh, offerings to be made available to more people and more efficiently. And this is helping to make reaching customers and delivering services through technology faster, cheaper, instantly available, without physical or geographical limits, and with more choice of provider at the same time. Younger people, in, in particular millennials, and the uh, newly emerging Gen Z, grew up with uh, and now expect online, social, and mobile in all aspects of their everyday lives. So expect more as they increase in their numbers as a percentage of the total population. Although middle-aged and older people are interested in using simple, cost-effective and easy-to-use financial technology as well, you know. Customer service through technology in property-related finance is starting to take hold. We have 24-7 service without borders reach and everything digital. And this is driving greater customer awareness, interest, and also greater competition from financial providers, both old and increasingly new as well. There are still some challenges to overcome, is my fourth point. As uh, Ishan's possibly, uh, sorry, Ishan possibly best summarized a couple of weeks ago, consumers do need to be educated before adopting some of these new technologies. Stakeholders within the sector need to fully engage and collaborate and regulation needs to both catch up as well as being both sensible and sensitive to our technological changing world as well. The status quo could do more, but equally there are plenty of quick wins, progress milestones and genuine innovations to celebrate at the same time. Fifth, evolution not revolution. We might not yet have seen a Google, Amazon or Facebook of fintech However, given the recent acquisition of iZettle by PayPal, we might be at the start of some consolidation through mergers and acquisitions uh, such as this one. And who knows, one of these startups that I've kind of been mentioning or other ones um, just might turn into a monster as well. And we're perhaps seeing the, the most activity in fintech around process automation and customer reach, or in other words, sales and marketing. But the machines are ready and waiting to take us into the next level of development. After that, I'm very sure. Six, increasing usage of online and mobile platforms means financial services is more widely available and, and usable than it ever has been in the past. We have far more choice and options than we, we've ever had before, quite simply. So now we need to establish ways to understand what is available from where and from who, along with what best fits our needs and personal interests. That could be a bank that is built to work on your phone. It could be a lender that allows us to access a bank of peers as opposed to peering into a bank branch. Or one payment card that can literally replace all of those cards in your wallet and, on, and other online payment services as well be it uh, close to home or far from home. And finally, people and machines are working together. Machines can simplify processes, leaving well-trained and experienced people to focus on what they're good at. However, machines are becoming increasingly intelligent and are also learning fast. 
So there we have it. It's my wrap up of the of fintech as it relates to us as property investors. And my thanks again go to Ray, Ishan and Ian for the respective contributions over the last couple of weeks as well. I perhaps saw fintech as one of the most prolific and fast-changing segments of prop tech when I started this series, and much of that view still remains. There could be some big changes uh, that are coming downstream that, that we could start to see from other technologies such as the Internet of Things and blockchain, but perhaps over the second half of the next decade rather than the first. But I for one am expecting to see more advances in fintech uh, in the next five years and ahead of that, that's for sure. So that's all for this week. Uh, next week, I plan to dive a little deeper into learning and development, which, which is not exactly one of the most obvious segments of prop tech. So do make sure you join me for that. In the meantime, as always, the show notes can be found at the website, thepropertyvoice.net, or if you want to talk about anything from today's show, receive an intro to one of my guests, or just talk property investing, you know you can email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. But until then, all I'd like to say is thank you very much for listening again this time. And until next week on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.